Welcome to the Pirate Radio Sessions as part of the Amplify exhibitions at the Tinjets Gallery. Uh, this is a sound system culture special um, done as part of uh, Sonic Street Technologies uh, research here at the University of Sydney. And uh, we have a special, a very special guest here today, uh, Rodney. Yes. Oh, here, here could I you am. introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yes, I am. I'm better known as Kuchuko in the DJ decks. And I'm um, very thrilled to be here, and thank you for the invitation, Moses, and pleasure to meet you finally. I should probably also introduce myself. My name is Moses, Moses Eaton, also part of Cumbia Cosmonauts, and I'm a researcher with the Sonic Street Technologies Project. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're here today to talk about vinyl collecting, DJ culture, how it's connected to sound system culture, and with a special angle that, uh, of course, you were born... In Colombia. In, in Colombia, yeah. Correct. And how did you start DJing? Was it something you started in Colombia? You started here? What, what uh, was your I would say it was something very natural. No, it. Um, I am from the generation who was lucky enough to grow through tapes and vinyl. Uh, early eighties. I won't disclose much more about my age. <laughs> but um, yes, uh, it all started playing in Paris. Um, my dad is an aficionado. He loves records. He collects records, and um, he's very passionate about. Colombian folklore, particularly from the Caribbean, and this is where I pick it up. Um, DJing as such is something very new to me, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, I owe that to a couple of good friends that are around today, as well as the fact that COVID gave us the opportunity to rethink life, I guess. Okay. Yeah, so because my next question is going to be, how did you start collecting? Which is which is for you actually answered your DJ collect uh, yeah. question like that. Yes. Well, it's very connected for you. Correct. Music. Yes. So col collecting as such is something that I would say ever since a kid because it was a collection curated by my father and I, and still there is a lot of records sitting there, and uh, I recall every side of them, their release dates at times, and because. I recall going to him, with him, pardon me, to, to the stores in, in Bogota, in, in, in the city center. Um, and it was such an adventure, I recall it vividly. And it's part of my life and heritage. Um, now, with the new wave of records and, and, and artists wanting to, to, to press records, it, it is like a new, new beginning. And uh, I've been lucky enough to catch up quite rapidly, yeah. And it's uh, you basically you see yourself as continuing what your dad started, or is it sort of a collaboration? Or how would you describe your? your I, it could be a mix of things actually, in the sense that you learn from him is a collaboration, because he was lucky enough to actually see these bands live. Um, he, he like nineteen seventies um, kind of recordings. Even before, before my dad is from mid forties. Uh, so he was, he, he was present at the time of, for example, Los Corraleros in the 60s, and then in the 70s when the Tropicalia really started. Um, he was there when the foundational, foundational son of Colombia, is the way he called it, um, was, was happening. So bands like uh, the Lucho Bermudez Orchestra, Pacho Galan, and so on, you name them. Mm -hmm. uh, he saw that, so you learn from him. He actually got friends that uh, they, they were part of musicians that were part of those bands, as, uh, and it's, it's very, very inspirational. And I'm trying to continue the legacy in terms of um, sharing the music that I love. Yeah, you know, very, very old music, but uh, with that vibe that feels still uh, modern and alive. Yeah. So, what does um, 
what does DJing mean to you then? Um, I really enjoy it. So it mean, it, typically anyone will say, ah, it's just for the fun of it or it's, I make a living out of it. To me, it's just pleasure. Um, it allows me to, re to re-encounter myself with my dad, even if he's not here, particularly playing certain type of music, you know, cumbia, porro, um, that, that style in particular. He's very profound of salsa as well, Cuban music. That kind of connection, even though he's far away from, from here, uh, lucky though that he's still alive and, and you know, we, we communicate very, very often about music. So um, that's, that's what it brings me. And do you also, like some of the more contemporary sounds that you're collecting, playing, yes. does he then also, do you expose him to new things? That is correct. Um, I owe that to, um, to the fact that I'm surrounded of friends which, as you do, are creating new music, but mainly inspired on, on those, those times, right? So name it Cumbia Muffin, for instance. Um, doing a big effort on, you know, maintaining alive this big orchestra music and sound. Uh, um, that is something that to me represents a, how to say, that, that the moment is there to continue and push on. So yeah, there is, uh, there is a lot of movement, and particularly from Bogota underground music, so uh, Frente Cumbiero and all these bands, uh, Conjunto Media Luna, um, that are making a great sound, very modern, but they are not forgetting about the roots, that accordion vibe, which is amazing. So that's what I'm really focused on lately. And since you started uh, DJing, which came after collecting, how does your, does your DJing drive your collecting a bit as well? How, how what's the relationship, you think? Uh, yeah, I think there's been a couple of things very interesting, actually. Um, being involved with a good friend, Tropicante, you, you should know him. He will be interviewed later. Oh, uh, really? That's He'll cool. Be featured on the podcast. Oh, well. yeah. look at that. So um, he, he has an amazing project in which we, we do a lot of curation for uh, all types of music from around the world, in which we are not only just curating our own music, but allowing people to come into his studio and, you know, share. So it is a massive learning curve. And what I pick from there is that um, you, 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 you tend to normally uh, focus in the party and on, on the vibe of the party, but maybe you can also add a little bit more to that. And, and that's been the m massive learning curve and how to read audiences, but how to also get the, 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 the best that you can from every track, you know, or every rhythm. What this expectation, you know, from that you have as a, as a selector or a DJ when you play a record. Mm. Uh, so you're yeah. referring to the Tropicante sound system, yes. um, YouTube channel where, of course, you don't play to an audience that's in front of you. Correct. You play to, to mm. uh, you know, in a studio on your own um, for an imagined audience that will later on stream, stream the music. So, yeah, that gives a very different... Exactly. Different it, it, and it's an amazing game of how to put in... Uh, one hour, 45 minutes time frame, the best that you can. And it's a beautiful experience because you, you were trying to put a topic on, on it and it's, it's, it's very good. So it's been like a university, I have to say always, everyone who has asked me about this project in particular. It's, it's so so how do you approach those sets? Um, 
you try to tell a story or do you have like a... Yes, I have been able to be in two or three, actually, three of them, uh, different genre. Um, yes, uh, there is ways to do it. Um, I like to be... I let the music flow and tell me what I want to play next. Um, if for, for instance, if it's Cuban music, I like to, to, to play around what Cuban music is, is, is wide, you know? There is danzón, there is son. So I like to mix it a little bit and, you know, move it away because um, people probably doesn't know much more. When, when they mention Cuban music, for, for instance, they are only focusing one spectrum, you know? But it's, it's massive. Mm. And so it's, it's like a showcase, what, what I try to do. Then you can play it as well, um, uh, like historically, from all the older tracks to the most recent stuff like that. Yeah, it's the way I like to play it. Um, but telling, telling, telling the history of this particular genre. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in terms of collecting, how do you know what to collect or how do you choose... Let's say, I mean, probably more thinking about more contemporary sounds where a band or an artist is unknown to you. Yes. How do you sort of think, yes, I'll put the money down for this? Because often, obviously, it's an expensive, yeah. expensive <laughs> pleasure. So, tell me about it. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, when uh, I decide to buy or acquire a record, it, I, need, I really need to know that I want to play it and enjoy it when I play it. First that. Second to support the artist that is trying to maintain alive that, that tradition. So there is bands, for, for example, in Cartagena, there's Tribu Baru, these guys who, who are trying to maintain the Champeta legacy. Really cool guys, and, and so I go and buy it because I know I will play this record and I know I will enjoy it if I am alone in my room. Apart from it, good compilations that uh, provide a big spectrum of music across the world. So, for instance, Coco Maria, it's amazing, you know, and I think most of us were lucky to have her here this year and see how she does her, her moves in the... the um, that is such a good, good um, way to sort of explore, you know, th these compilations, Guts, for instance, stuff like that, that uh, opens up your, you know, your knowledge and capacity to to perhaps acquire more. So uh, at times you find uh, tracks in a compilation that you want to keep digging on into the artist. And then you go on, okay, Moses, do you have this for me? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you go and find your, <laughs> your supplier for yes. it. Yeah. Bit of disclosure, I am um, also a record dealer. And um, yeah, that, that Rodney, that's one of the ways I've been communicating with you. Yes, yes, correct. For a mutual collecting <laughs> Um, of particular sounds, often from Latin America. Um, do you think of your collection as some sort of archive at all? Definitely. Uh, particularly for foundational music. This is, is the way I like to name it. So um, foundational music is, is kind of like 1960s or 50s, early 50s even? 40s, 50s, Colombian. 60s. Yeah. Anything that was happening, so like I mentioned earlier, um, Pacho Calan, Lucho Bermudez, Sonolux Orchestra, all these record labels, uh, the Fuentes, uh, Discos Curro, um, I'm skipping, uh, I mean, Machuca, all these big bands, you know, yeah. 
that everywhere there was something happening, they build a new bridge or build yeah. a new hospital. These bands were playing, you know. Essentially, so we're talking about the beginning of the recording industry, really. Where, yeah, where folkloric sounds were for the first time recorded. And, of course, um, the minute that started, uh, people were, yeah. were using those to produce, you know, com more contemporary music, yeah. as in more complex arrangements with... with uh, Elements of rock music, etc. Just for those who haven't heard those sounds, um, or as big bands, uh, or yeah. in more in a jazz format, versus yes. just the more, more step, um, folkloric sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so in that sense, that, that's the type of music that I, I enjoy the most uh, because of the orchestration, and it, it, it tells a, a lot about what was happening at the time, you know? The implementation of uh, new instruments, you know, that's whole sections. Um, and then how in the 60s it, it, the bands uh, reduced in size, but they were still powerful, you know, and in implementing new elements to it, such as uh, uh, Afro Combo and all these bands. So that's what I would call an archive in the sense that you can go there. It's not, it doesn't need to be a massive collection. It's just to have the right thing to, to see that progress in time of music, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of music. Yeah, Yeah. so you, you see this, uh, I mean, obviously it's, a, it's nice to have it for yourself, but you see, I guess the question about an archive is you see this as, as collecting something, I don't want to say for posterity, but something for others or as a resource uh, to draw back on? The, 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 the answer will be yes, because I have two beautiful daughters, and, <laughs> the, and the eldest is really profound of music. She studying, she's only seven, but she's starting to to, you know, to mimic the sounds of uh, the clarinet. She loves the clarinet. She wants to learn really badly, uh, which to me, you will imagine, right? Uh, <laughs> so... Lucho Bermudez. Yeah, she loves it. She loves it, and she loves the new bands. Like I mentioned, uh, uh, Muffin, Cumbia Muffin, that they play regularly, so every time I have the chance, so I take Sydney, her to Sydney listen. Sydney-based... Um, Sydney-based Sydney band. band, yeah. yeah. Or orchestra, I should say, really. Yeah, orchestra, correct. And that's very hard to find, you know? And um, so... I will edit it to that, and she knows how much care I put into that. She occasionally sits with me, helps me curate them, of cleaning them. She knows how to put a track. So it, that to me is exactly what my dad did to me. Mm -hmm. um, so, let's see. So my next question is like, how how much does um, your collection is it a part of your identity? Uh, which is obviously connected to what I'm everything, everything, it, and that will tie it up with my 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 performer name as Kuchuko. So Kuchuko, Kuchuko is a soup. And the fact that I have that name is because uh, my friends in a, as part of a joking game finding DJ names, they decide to, to put that name because, because, because I am, in fact, I'm a chef, yeah? Uh, that's how you finance, finance uh, your... Records. And that's how, it, that's how, you know, back in the time I was living out of chefing. So they, they thought it was funny. And... Kuchuko is full of ingredients, a lot of, a lot of flavors, you know, all in, in one pot. So the music that I play essentially is that you, in my sets, I try to play contemporary as well as old music. And so I, I don't like to be static in one period of time. And also a wide range of, uh, of genre such as uh, merengue, and then I could throw salsa, and then go back to cumbia, and then all of a sudden you hear champeta. I let it be. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I need to dance him. with it. I need to dance uh, uh, along the people in front of me, and that's how, how I manage 
my rhythms. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So that's uh, yeah more mixed up if you're playing to like to a live dance floor. But then maybe when you go into the into like recording for a YouTube channel or something, you maybe be a little the, bit more. There is more of, of conceptual, course, more thing. of a conceptual thing. It's two very different things, of course. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm. And um, how does your collection connect you with other people? Do you think, like beyond your family, for example? Um, well, it, for instance, it connects me to you, <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> um, it, it has grown friendships. It has um, allowed me to know people from, not only from my country, within my city that I would never have contacted being in Colombia. That, that's very funny, hey. Um, actually, my last holiday, thanks to music and to record playing, I met up amazing people, artists, um, you name it. Um, so that is, in fact, the most amazing thing that playing records have brought to me and collecting them, yeah? Um, because you're basically seeking out, yes, you're seeking out other people collecting yeah. these objects, but you're also seeking those people who produce those objects. And Correct. I've been very lucky to, to get to know a lot of uh, producers. Um, not, not intimate though, but you know, to have a chat with them. Uh, for instance, uh, Sam from Analog Africa had the opportunity to meet with him, and he's very nice guys. And we have a couple of beers in Bogota, and that, that was it, you know. But it, this is what I thought. I will, it will, it will be make sense to me to understand what's the the intention of the artist, the producer, the the record label, and. Importantly, to maintain the legacy, yeah, which is what I play for, frankly, yeah. Mm. And um, you, you've you've had the opportunity to play on some custom-built sound systems. Yes, yes. I, um, how, how did that, can you tell us about that experience and how that felt? Uh, yes, um, very. Well, like which sound systems? <laughs> yeah, with sound systems in general, there is. Um, it happens to me, and I don't know. I wouldn't answer for anyone else. Uh, and but it's it's a beautiful thing because for some reason the sound sort of drives you to to try and play different or particularly genres, such as you know you want to add some to my personal taste, uh, dab, cumbia dab, for instance, because I know it will sound amazing. And then from there you build up your set, you know, and, and let it let it flow that way. Uh, if it's a pico per se, then you really want to keep the hats, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you want so, to represent the pico. Yeah, yeah, such as like uh, yeah, such like El Gramono. So you wanna you, you wanna do champeta, good salsa, uh, good salsa around the 80s, 70s, you know, with those massive trombones and trumpets. So. so that is how I approach when, when I've been able to play it's in, in sound systems. It's, it's, it's been just a couple of times. But yeah, you're right. The, 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 the way you drive your set is purely based on the sound and how it unearths, you know, how it vibes and how it makes you, you know, vibe. And, and of music. course, yeah, the sound. And then, of course, also, like you mentioned, the because you associate them with a particular vibe of a particular style of music. Yeah. Yeah. And then you automatically start thinking in that it's kind of more of a socio-cultural, definitely, uh, sub or subcultural um, direction or a scene. Yes, um, yes, yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And how connected do you think connect, collecting vinyl or playing vinyl records as opposed to digital 
<laughs> um, you know, it's connected to like sound system culture. Is it something you've thought about or? Uh, to me, I mean, you don't run a sound system, obviously, but no, you've no, invited as a no, guest I have, yeah, no. But to me, they are one, and to me, well, you, you can always have them the digital, but it's, it's it's just part of the workflow. Sorry to use these terms a bit too, you know. That's a good term. <laughs> but 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 I think it, it's more magical, and it makes more sense to me. It, it's it's about the analogic way to see things, you know. The this putting on a scene such a big structure, you know, and, and you want to make it feel right. It's, 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 I, I don't have an, a proper answer for it, actually. It's, it's, a, and it's a very great question. Um, but to me, definitely, one rely on each other, you know, in terms of how, how the sound will, you know, be expelled from, from the system. I hope that answers yeah, <laughs> suits, yeah. but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> and um, what sort of direction do you see yourself moving in? Will you be doing more, more like collecting more records? Are you going to push for certain gigs? Or what's your sort of future plans with you DJing uh, and your record? Yes, um, yes. I've been I'm craving the opportunity to probably play in, within Australia and other cities, particularly Melbourne hopefully in sound systems, yeah. Um, because I know records will be more, you know, suitable for that purpose, as I just answered before. Uh, in terms of the, my mus musical journey, or what I would like to spell, it's, to me, it's essential to maintain the fact of um, keeping the old and the present, you know, tied together. So people, people will revert back to here what is sitting probably at their, at their homes and they haven't even touched for, for years and is sitting there in dust. Um, when, when I sort of started doing the, the DJ thing, um, I revisit a lot of records that I, that I know I have played, but then the approach to, to, for the listening sesh in, in your own is different, you know? And you encounter jewels that you, you know, or, or maybe you want to risk with it. Um, so that is exactly what I'm, I, I'm into and I will continue into. And, and definitely keep supporting artists who, who are sort of um, in their own way, maintaining alive the, the, the musical you know, tradition and the folklore, yeah. And um, how can people find you online yes. and stuff? What's the best way of so, where gigs are, et cetera? Basically, I'm, I'm very active in, in Instagram most of, most of the time. So you can find me as uh, mrmr.cuchuco, C-U-C-H-O, C-H-U-C-O, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, and pretty much anything that is happening there, if I am playing gigs, festivals, um, I'll be there. Um, I don't know when this is coming out, if, but on the 25th of November, there is a couple of gigs that I'll be playing uh, Latin Life Festival in the morning. Um, it's an amazing project that is happening in the northern beaches. And the first anniversary of Discoteca Tropical, which has been such a showcase of talent and vinyl players and selectors. So if you are listening and if you want to pick up a little bit of my, my sessions and the music that I like to play, you know where to find me at least to the end of the year. And, and finally, you did bring in, I asked you just to bring in like a couple of very special tracks. Yes. Can you tell us what you chose and then we'll have okay, a listen. Okay, I got with me here um, two records. Sorry, I got with me here two records. Um, 
first one that we were listening is called, uh, it's a song called Nativo, uh, performed perform by Joe Arroyo uh, at the time of Afro Sound. But this is, is a special record to me because I was very little when I started playing it. And it compiles a little bit of the Joe Arroyo before being a solist or, or a having solist. His, own, his own band. Um, so there is songs from Fruco y Sustesos as well as the Latin Brothers. Uh, and I recall playing this in, in, in the neighborhood when I was like 12 and we used to, to dance, particularly this B-Sider, uh, which is amazing. And this, the song that we were listening, El Nativo, is like a rock, soul, funky, tropical thing that was happening in Joe Rogers' mind. Just everyone knows he was a, a legend. And it's my, it's the person that I love the most as an artist and I follow ever since little. It's a shame that he has left us. And the other one is, this is more because of my dad and where he, he's from. My dad is from Cordoba in Colombia, which is the land of Porro, where Porro was born. And this is called Pedro Lazas and Sus Pelageros. Uh, amazing, it has pretty much some of the biggest tracks that this band ever recorded, or Pedro Laza ever recorded. And this is part of that foundational sort of music in the 60s, you know? Uh, so these are the, the songs that, uh, and tracks that I wanted to share with you. Cool. Well, can we listen to first, first up, um, we already had uh, the El Nativo one? at the beginning. Sure. So maybe you listen to... For sure. So, porro. let's do some porro. This next song is called La Cebua. Cebua is a, a cattle, you know, particularly from Arabic uh, descendancy or, or bride. So, let's see how it goes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 